Our hymn is hymn 156. We've gone over stanzas one and two, and so tonight we're going over stanzas three and four of hymn 156. It's Creator, Spirit, Heavenly Dove. Stanza three. In you with graces sevenfold, We God's almighty hand behold. We God's almighty hand behold. While you with tongues of fire proclaim. While you with tongues of fire proclaim. To all the world his holy name. To all the world his holy name. It starts off with in you. It's a hymn that is addressed to the Holy Spirit, the creator spirit, the spirit that was there at creation, the one that we call the fount of life. He's the one that creates life and is always, and is always giving out life. It says, in you with graces sevenfold. Um, the almighty hand of God is giving out uh, gifts, that is, with this, um, with this sevenfold graces what do you know about this sevenfold graces of, of God? Hmm. Um, there's nine in that list. Uh, um, but there's another list that has, well, a different number. And then there's this list, which has, well, this one says sevenfold. Um, um, I think it is reproduced in Revelation. It's also found in the Old Testament as well, and then it then it comes up. Isn't sevenfold completion, or is that everything? Right. It is, and especially when you have it in books like the Book of Revelation, where it's teaching a symbolicness. And so, if there is gifts to be given out. The Holy Spirit has the whole lot. He's got sevenfold. He's got the whole thing. And so, here it is, the Holy Spirit giving out his gifts uh, and, and giving them out to the full. Um, and we're getting them from, from the source himself, and so there is no uh, gift that is left over. And I think that's why, yes, we have the one list, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, okay. And then we have another list that doesn't exactly have that, but it has other things, and then pretty soon you have... Um, and so even in the symbolism, sometimes there's a 9, sometimes there's a 7, sometimes there's a 12. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit is just um, the manifold gifts of God that are, are showered out upon us. Now, where it says, with graces sevenfold, we, God's almighty hand... Behold, God, when we have the Holy Spirit showering out these gifts upon us, we behold, you would say, the giving hand, the hand of God who is giving out us uh, gifts. Hmm. Where in the liturgy do we find this spirit, sevenfold spirit, and, and the quotation of it? Hmm. It's not Sunday morning or regular kind of service. It's actually one of the occasional services. I'm not sure that it lists. Um, I better take a look. Page 206 and 207. It is the order of confirmation. Hmm. Might not have expected that. Um, after the profession of faith, there is, uh, it's been quite common to give a, a verse of some kind, a confirmation verse, and then there is the laying on of hands. There is uh, hands placed upon the, uh, the person, and the words, as it says here, they kneel, they give their right hand and kneel, hands placed upon the head, uh, confirmation text is then given, and, and then the words uh, to Joe. 
God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you his Holy Spirit, the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge, of grace and prayer, of power and strength, of sanctification, and the fear of God. Why is that included with the confirmation? And in particular, why I'm bringing this up is because this is often misunderstood. Why the sevenfold spirit mentioned at confirmation? You want to try? Uh oh. It does go back to the. Oh, not at that moment. Hmm. Another try? Because it's the Holy Spirit who's delivering all this. Yes, he is. Where does the Holy Spirit give out his gifts? Yes, he's always where the word is. We agree. That's where the Holy Spirit is giving out his gifts through the word. Oh, I thought you were going to do it. Baptism. baptism. Hmm. Holy baptism. There we got the promise of God. We got the promise that you need to be in tonight. We're going to find out. Nicodemus needs to find out that you're going to be baptized with water and the spirit. That is, you get the Holy Spirit. Um, there's the answer when someone says to you, uh, do you have the Holy Spirit? You say, I've been baptized. Oh, no, 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 I'm talking about the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You go, yes, right there. Right there is when I was given it. Um, that was the promise. Um, and so you also have, uh, with the book of Acts, in which uh, Acts chapter 2 We'll just talk, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children, for all who are far off, and for all of the Lord our God will call. Right here, the Holy Spirit's been given. So, hmm, now we come to the next question. Where in the Bible are we going to find the rite of confirmation? I got Matthew 28 for baptism. I got Acts 2 for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Where do we find confirmation and the promise that the Holy Spirit comes in confirmation? You're right. We are to hold on to that teaching which we have been given. There is no right of confirmation, and there is no telling us to do that. It does talk about whoever confesses me before man, I will confess before my Father in heaven. Does our Father want us to confess the faith that we have been given? Absolutely. Uh, and so we make a public confession of our faith, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, especially those who have been baptized at young. We say, what have you been given in your baptism? Well, so if I ask you the question... What did you get in your confirmation? That's when I get the problem. Do you know why that's a problem? Because if you answer that question, what did I get in my confirmation? Whatever you answer there means what? <laughs> if you got it there, you just took it away from baptism. That's the problem. The problem is not that we confess our faith. The problem is not that we acknowledge our gifts in our baptism. The problem is, is if you think you're given something outside of baptism, you had to take it away from baptism. Because in baptism, you got the whole thing. And baptism was uh, commanded in the scripture. Baptism has all of the promises. And so what we often have, as I say, this misunderstanding is, I say in confirmation, I'm going to, and you kind of go, wait, sure sounds like, Karen, you're getting it now. Like somehow baptism was halfway there, and then finally you got the confirmation, which was the rest of the stuff. Or somehow baptism wasn't good enough. Not so. Confirmation confirms, Karen, I think you said faith. I'm going to say it even clearer. 
It's a confirming of what I was given in my baptism, which includes faith, which includes the Holy Spirit, which is the whole thing. So that's what it is. It is a confirming of what I've been given. You got that sevenfold gift in your baptism. Now, at Luther's time, at Luther's time, um, when did they have their rite of confirmation? Was it on Palm Sunday? Was it on Pentecost? Was it? They didn't have it. They didn't have it. That's exactly right. Um, Luther wanted to make sure that everybody was taught, and, and sure enough, they had catechesis. They had catechism training, and they taught them. And when the parents said, this child is ready, he went and examined them, and then he, they were able to uh, come and receive. And so you kept this away. The problem is, is that later, then you have the bishop coming and doing this confirmation, this confirming as if somehow he had some special authority and he could give something in addition to baptism or complete baptism or more than that. Um, and that is not so. Uh, and so, if you ask me, well, pastor, you don't make a big deal about confirmation. No, I don't. But you do make a big deal about baptism and the teaching, because the teaching is commanded. Baptizing and teaching them, you make disciples. So we want to make sure that, wow, every Wednesday we got teaching on the catechism. You bet. That's the important thing. So in this particular hymn, it is simply teaching us about, it's hymn 156, teaching us about what the Holy Spirit has been given, the sevenfold gift, the hand of God, the open hand of God, as he is giving it out in our baptism. Uh, to all the world, while, uh, verse uh, stanza 3, while you with tongues of fire proclaim to all the world his holy name. The tongues of fire were given to the apostles so that they would preach the word of God. They would teach it. The Holy Spirit is given on our baptism so that we might be saved and so that we might have the gifts of the ninefold, joy, peace, love, joy, so that we might have the twelve, that we might have the seven, that we get that we get all of it. Questions? Stanza four. Your light to every sense impart. And shed your love in every heart. Your own unfailing might supply to strengthen our infirmity. So not only does the Holy Spirit create faith in our hearts, he also works renewal in our hearts. That is, he gives us a new heart. He gives us new desires. He works in us. And so we ask him, impart to us light to every sense so that all of our senses don't serve our sinful nature, because we've been set free from him, but that would serve the Holy, uh, serve our God. And so the Holy Spirit is to, is to do that. Uh, that he would uh, shed love into our heart. Give us the love for our neighbor. And because we are so weak, strengthen our infirmity. Give us the might to do it. Not only give us the will to do it, but give us the strength to do it. And Liam says, where does God do that? He continues to strengthen us, work in us, always through the word. If you see, I'm weak, go to the word. That's where God is doing these things. And so this is what this uh, creator spirit, the one who created at the beginning, uh, continued to create with the apostles, and even now creates through baptism and through the preaching of his word. Stanza three and stanza four. In you with graces sevenfold We God's almighty and behold While you with tongues of fire proclaim To all the world his holy name Your light to every sense impart and shed your love in every heart. Your own unfailing light supply 
to strengthen our infirmity. In the Catechism, uh, we are on the third estate. Uh, the first estate uh, is that which we would say is the church, where we have uh, pastors and preachers and hearers. The second estate is that which is considered the government and the citizens. The third estate is none other than uh, the home. That would also include, as we talk about the estate of the home, that would also include what we would call a, a job or your occupation, which, which would be in support of the home and, and, and this. Uh, we have gone through uh, the husband and wives, seeing that God created the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden, uh, brought her to the man, uh, that they might work together, that they might be helpmates, uh, helping each other to do what? Well, to fulfill what God's will was at the time. They were to take care of this world that they had been given, particularly the Garden of Eden, and they were to uh, multiply. Uh, they were to have children and to increase in number and uh, thus to train them. So, uh, it's not long before we're going to have husband and wives, and then we're going to have the next section, which is tonight, to parents and to children. To parents, repeat after me. Fathers, Fathers do, not do not exasperate your children. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. All right, so the male uh, of the parents, uh, that would be the father, and so it is addressed uh, to him. Uh, fathers, it tells them, do not exasperate your children. It seems that the scriptures uh, like to tell the male what they are not to do, which probably tells you just a little bit about the male and, and, and what he is to do. When it came to the husband in dealing with his uh, wife, telling them to be considerate, treat them with respect, we said, why? Because that's the problem. Um, the male wants to push everyone around, bully, um, and, and he is intended to protect, to serve, and as head, to serve his wife. So here, when it comes to his children, he also is not to be like a bull in a china cabinet. He is instructed to temper his strength, his ability as, as father, and it says, do not exasperate your children. Spiro, aspirate. Aspirate is to breathe. X is to breathe out. <sighs> Don't exasperate. That is, drive them to... Frustration. What? Frustration. Frustration, to despair. Don't expect of them more than they could ever do. Uh, they have not been given to you so that they would be a slave and so that you would beat them and exasperate them and drive them to despair. Do not exasperate your children. Eric went to college and uh, he, he was, he's a part of the soccer team. And the, the coach pushed him. How hard did he push you? Harder than you would think. Harder than you'd ever been pushed before. Um, in fact, more than you thought you could do. You might have thought you were 
exasperated, and yet, what? What'd you tell me? <laughs> I did more than I thought I could. <laughs> um, yes, that's exactly what happened. So I, I, I'm not saying that you know we ought to you know treat our children as as, as wimps or, or something like that. Um, yes, we do we do push them and uh, we do. Uh, set standards that are very high, and we expect them uh, to do that. Okay. Nevertheless, um, what is our vocation? What is it that is given to parents to do? Here it says to fathers. Um, it would apply to mothers as well. God makes sure that we understand that. Uh, he, I think for very good reason, could have set it to the Father, and left it at that. But what does he do with the fourth commandment? Honor your... and your mother. Ha! Right? This is not just, oh, I'm going to honor Dad, but I'm not going to honor Mom. No. Honor your father and your mother. Yes. This is a team. These are both your parents. These are been given. Yes, they have various vocations, and yes, God you know, refers. Nevertheless, they are both to be honored. Now, concerning your neighbor, what does God expect of you? What does he expect of you concerning your neighbor? Serve? Love. That's what he requires. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was a summary of the commandments. Very good. And so we are to love. But when it comes to parents, God expects a higher standard. More than just love. Not just love. He expects honor, respect. He says parents are to be held up in fact, you might say, he takes the parent and puts them beside himself and says, they are to be given a particular respect because I have made them parents. That's the reason why. Um, what if your parents... Oh, what, what if your parents sin? Do any of you have sinful parents? <laughs> Do you, which one is a sinner? You want to tell me? All of the above. You are correct. Every one of our parents is a sinner. Exactly. And so, because there are sinners, do you then not respect them? No. You still honor them. You still respect them. Now, yes, you are not to sin. If they tell you to sin, you, you, you must disobey. Um, absolutely. If they tell you to worship a false god, you're going to have to say no. But even though they are sinners, you're to honor them, you're to respect them, you're to hold them up. Um, this includes obedience. Your parents may be quirky. They may be different. They may be, you may look at somebody else's parents and say, I wish I had a parent who was a baseball player. I wish I had a parent who was the president. I wish I had a parent, but my own parent, I'm not quite sure. He's a little funny and he wears clothes that I don't like. And he, you know, I, you're right. Nevertheless, you obey them, you respect them, you listen to them. More than that, when you're required to do something, how do you do it? Two ways. Well, I hope you do it well. And promptly. And promptly. <laughs> that comes from a mother over here. Well and promptly. And um, I'm going to put those two together, Karen. Sorry. I'm still looking for a... Willingly. I'm doing this what? I don't want to do it. I don't want to. No. What do you? I do it because what? God asked me to do this. Right. Um, I would like to do something to please God. And God says, fine, I gave you a parent. You can do something pleasing. In fact, Luther has a couple things to say about this. He says, if we didn't have a father and a mother for whom we could obey, honor, and respect, we ought to just set up 
a stone or a piece of wood and call it our father and mother so we would have something to honor and respect. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but what he's saying is, is that what? God wants us to do this. This is something we, we have an opportunity to do. In fact, Luther goes on to say, if we had been following the word of God, the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, we've been honoring our father and mother, people wouldn't have run off trying to go to a monastery to find something godly to do. We've got enough work to do where God has placed us. Parents, you have children. Luther says, children are not simply given to you for your enjoyment. What, what, well, I, I'm to multiply and fill the earth, and these children that I have been given by God, I am supposed to train them in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Um, let's talk about that first. One, I need to teach them about God. I need to teach them about God's word. I need to, and if I can't do it myself, I will employ others. That's what God's parents have always done. If you cannot get this done and you need to train them in piano, you go and get a piano teacher because I don't know piano. Um, or if you need someone who is going to train them in a particular, you go and you employ a teacher. Exactly. If you can't train your children, you bring them here on Wednesday and I will help you. You bring them on Sunday. We have Sunday school teachers. I will train you in the face so that you can train your children. Um, and yet, you know, it has been given to you to do. If you can't watch your children, you employ a nanny. You come to a learning center. You provide that. Parents, it's been given to you to do. The training and instruction of the Lord. But also, your job is to serve your neighbor. And the way you love your neighbor is you train these children up so that they don't go to jail. <laughs> you train them up so that they will have a vocation and that they will make money so that they can support their own family and the government doesn't have to support them. And you train them so that they too then will be in service to their neighbor uh, by all that they do. And Luther says, your job as parents, you should spare no time, effort, or money to make sure that your children grow up as respectable citizens serving in society and that they are brought up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The corollary to that, if, if we have enough to do in, in obeying parents, so then in the same way, uh, parents have their job, children have their job, and we have enough to do in honoring our own parents, um, especially as they grow in years. What do you do? You provide, you take care. Same rule that Luther applied for parents taking care of children. I would say children taking care of parents. You'd spare no time, effort, money in order to provide because God has given them. You don't have to run off to a monastery or Jesus had the one man who uh, uh, said, well, uh, Corban, whatever I would give to you, sorry, I won't give it to you. We're going to call it Corban. We're going to call it a gift and I'll give it all to God so I got nothing left to give you. Luther said, you just nullified the command of God by your own traditions. Absolutely not. And so we have, to children, repeat after me, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. So, uh, we are to obey our parents. This is the right thing to do. We are to do it because it's commanded, and God gave us a promise. <laughs> For those who obey parents, he promises to them uh, an abundant and long life. This is what he has promised. Uh, and, and thus, it works out for our welfare as well as for those who we provide for. Over time. Questions? We light the rest of the candles. Page 224.
Please stand. O oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will be word of praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O oh Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Brothers and father, blood relationship. Um, yeah, not, yeah, not about faith things. You believe the miracle can save them. Okay, yes. Um, absolutely. What else does he want? He wants Abraham to have mercy on him. Wow, he sounds like he's praying in the order of Vespers or Matins. Have mercy on me. And so you kind of go, wow, this guy has learned some of the liturgy. He's been around. At least a little bit. But like Karen said, though he knows the liturgy, he's not really trusting, um, Yeah, he's talking to Abraham rather than to God. Um, so he doesn't quite have that right. Could you call that ancestor worship? You could. You could. You could say, you know, maybe in the same way we might say, well, my grandfather and my father were all Lutherans and I was born a Lutheran. You know, and you might trust in your connection to, to them. Uh, he thought he was doing okay. He's kind of surprised he's in hell. Yeah, what's he tell Abraham? You know what? This rich man is pretty used to telling people what to do and sending people around and bossing them, and you go do this, and you go get this, and you go do this. He sees Abraham, and he says, I got something for you to do. Send that poor guy on down here with a little water. He still thinks he's in charge. Yeah, of Abraham, not only of Lazarus, but even he's going to tell Abraham what, what needs to happen. You know, is hell terrible? Absolutely. Um, even one drop of water, you know, you're not going to get. Um, I mean, it, it, he asked for quite little, but even that is not, not possible. A great chasm has been fixed um, between heaven and hell. So he's in hell. He asks. He asks. Uh, uh, Abraham says, no, can't, can't do that. Um, what does he say? I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus, send him back to my father's house. Uh, I, you know, uh, I don't want my brothers and, and father to come here. Yeah, all of a sudden, I, you know, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, you know, the, um, I, I hate to put too much altru altruistic feelings in a man who is in hell. Um, in fact, uh, some, some of the church fathers, because, and, and, and I would say they're right, uh, the, uh, no one is sent to hell if they are reformable. If they're reformable, God reforms them and saves them. It's these who will refuse, and so you might say they've been trying to get away from God, and finally they get away. And so uh, uh, a couple of the church fathers say he's not really concerned about the welfare of his brothers and his father, but he really didn't like them, and he doesn't want them to come and be in hell with him. 
Now, I don't know if that's, you know, but it fits, you know what I mean, of someone who, and I, I, you kind of go, eh, okay. Okay, I think that I think that would fit, um, and I think it presents to us though, for for whatever the motivation is, and I don't know what it is, but that that's as good that's as good as any. Um, the answer is the reason that the, that it's said. What doesn't he see? He doesn't see that. He says, send someone back, send Lazarus back. And Abraham says, no, no, no. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. If someone goes back from the dead, then they'll believe. Hmm. Is it the coming back from the dead that creates faith? No. And in reality, what do we know? Jesus rose from the dead, and they still persecuted. Um, they did not believe. But the big thing for this one is this. Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What does that mean? They, referring to his brothers and his father, what does it mean they have Moses and the prophets? It is the word of God. Moses wrote the first five books. The prophets wrote the rest. When you talk about Moses and the prophets, you're saying they had God's word. Here is the big thing. If there is anything that this story teaches is the rich man had the word of God. It was with him. It was in his house. He learned Father Abraham. He learned to say, have mercy. And yet it never was something that he made his own. It never was something that he's trusted in. Um, as our hymn, the Creator Spirit said, that Christ may, that we may own him. Right? I don't just want to sit in the pews. Um, why should I be saved? Well, I hung around with Christians for 50 years. I sat in the pews for a long time. Yes, I know. But did you trust in my son? Did you trust that that was right? Or did you cling to your works? This rich man had the word of God and wasn't saved. He rejected it. He didn't hold to it. And his brothers and his father have it. And they're not listening either. A great chasm has been fixed. Once you die, go to heaven or hell. There's a great chasm between one and the other. And what does that mean? It means that there's no more chances for those who are in hell to get to heaven. And the chasm is fixed for those in heaven, it says, so that they won't go. They're always loving and trying to, and it's, it's been fixed. Why? Before this, we had the word of God to hear it and to listen to it, and they wouldn't listen. And if you will listen to the word of God, that's the means that God uses to save us. And so what do we have with the rich man? We have a person who refuses to use the means of grace, refuses to be saved by Faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's all external stuff, like you said, Karen. It's all the outward. It, and, and so, where this is going on, and again, I would say everybody's looking at the rich man and saying, well, you know, he's got God's word around. We see him sitting in the pews. Of course he's saved. And Jesus says, no, he's not. Mm. Um, because he's not saved, because he does not have, we don't see him loving his neighbor. The poor man is there. He just would, he'd love to have the leftovers. The rich man doesn't even give him that. Uh, he could give him just a little bit of help. No, the dogs are going to lick his sores. That's his health care plan. And so we see where there is not faith, there is also not love. Uh, outwardly, well, people may see stuff. That's not where salvation comes. What do we see with the poor man? With Lazarus, he actually gets a name. What do we see with Lazarus? What do we know about him? What? He has got a tough life. 
Yes. In this world? Wow. Does that mean that God has forsaken him? No. In fact, this is a man who we would say is at the bosom of Abraham. This is one in which Abraham says, that is my child. So often we take a look at, at people who are down, who are out, who uh, have been through life, who, who have troubles, and, and, and we thumb our nose at them. We look down upon them. And yet they may be the very ones who, simple though they are, trust in God and, and more like Abraham than, than we. When you go through tough times, you need not despair. Um, your life will probably not be as bad as this, but even if it is, the Lord is still providing, taking care. Call upon, as it said with the widow, call upon God night and day. Ask him for help. Uh, and this is the one who is, is saved. Why? He hears the word of God, and he keeps it. Questions about the text? Okay. Prayers this evening. What do we ask God for, thank him for, confess? Praise, I need one of each for tonight. What should we ask God, okay? Um, yes, that we might ask God, that, that he always teaches us that we remember it's a gift that he provides. Mm -hmm. We should confess that we don't always rely on the word. Yes, you are right. Um, we do not rely upon that words of Moses and the prophets. And uh, don't give our time to listening to it and forget to trust in it. Absolutely. All the time? All the time? Yeah, I, I guess I don't want to say all the time. Um, pretty close. <laughs> you know, um, Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and so I, I think as well. There are times in which someone will pay you a compliment. Um, what do you say? No, I'm a rotten sinner? No, if you're paid a compliment, you say, thank you. Um, I want to acknowledge, and you might say, note that those good things which we do are a gift from God, and we thank him for it. And you're right, they, they do come through. Uh, all right. Uh, we're moved to the non-festival part of the church year, so we're going to return to our six chief parts. Uh, it doesn't include all the words that Luther included, but it does include the scripture passages of which the six chief parts are based upon. And so, uh, we'll do the reciting word by word. I'll do the headings. Uh, if you want to do the italic parts, any in particular? Colton, do you have any you want to do, or the Ten Commandments? Okay. Anyone else? Tom, do you have any? All right. Any of you guys? You take the Lord's Prayer, baptism. Karn, you got confession. Eric, looks like you've got sacrament of the altar. Very good. Please stand. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. Do you 
You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Christian baptism, water connected with the word, is truly God's own work received by faith that it might impart salvation and comfort us in affliction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of our sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ and that when we believe the words of absolution, we are as surely reconciled to God The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. O God, the strength of all those who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us the help of your grace, that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Heavenly Father, direct our attention to your word that we might always rely upon that means of grace to create, strengthen our faith, uh, that we might call upon you and rely upon you even as uh, Abraham did. We give thanks to you for medical treatment and especially for uh, a good report. Uh, We ask uh, that you would help to bring forth in us uh, love for for our neighbor. We ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.